This week I had a spontaneous conversation with one of you, one of you who asked me, Alec, what's the word of the week this Sunday? I said, fear. And after a brief pause, this person said, fear? Is that fear of God? Or is that fear that sometimes helps us? It's a good thing because it can save us. Or is it fear? Fear that becomes problematic in our lives because we pay so much attention to it and we get lost from where we're supposed to go. And I said, yes. If you were listening in the first lesson, you heard a reading that was full of fear. That reading from Matthew, or one like it, always appears in the early Sundays of Advent. Advent is a time when we're invited to watch and wait and anticipate the coming of God into our midst. And the coming of God into our midst is not just the baby born in a manger. The coming of God is well about the coming of God. And this reading reminds us that the coming of God is no small matter. That reading from Matthew. The news of God's coming is a trembling message. We do not know the day or the hour. Watch. And the coming of God is threatening like The flood that came at Noah's time, you heard it, when the waters covered the earth, God comes not to comfort, but to destroy. As in Noah's time, normal life was happening. As the reading said, people were eating and people were drinking and people were marrying and people were giving in marriage and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them away. This is one of the regular readings of Advent because, well, When God comes, it's no small matter. We're meant to be changed by God's coming. We're meant to be converted. We're meant to be uh, able to see things differently and do things differently. So we anticipate and we watch and we light candles and we prepare. Because it's a big deal, this coming of God. In that passage that uh, Philip read, fear is being employed to motivate people. We do not know the day or the hour, it says, so keep awake and be ready. And for Matthew, the kind of response, the kind of action, the kind of expectation of God's coming would be that our lives would begin to look like what Jesus talked about much earlier in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7. This is how Jesus expects us to live, especially in light of God's coming. Jesus said, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, be kind to one another, forgive each other. It's not an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. No, it's about being reconciled to one another. If someone wants your coat, give it away. If someone strikes you on the cheek, Turn the other cheek. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is how we're called to live in light of God's coming. Keep awake. Fear can be a helpful motivator. Keep awake, Jesus says. You do not know the time or the hour. 
Fear can be something that increases our anticipation, our awareness, and moves us to new ways of living and new ways of doing things. We see this often in the Bible. God sometimes uses threats and fear to move people to deeper faithfulness. We know well about this in our own lives. The tragic fires in Tennessee in recent days have motivated people out of fear to flee for safety. The whole refugee crisis is rooted in fear. People are motivated to risk everything, fleeing desperate situations of poverty and terror. Fear is a God-given gift that yanks us out of our complacency and awakens us to reality. Fear can be a powerful tool to help take precaution, get moving in some direction. And in this sense, fear is a positive, helpful sentiment in our lives. It can motivate us and move us to better life with God and in the world. But what we also know so well is how paralyzing and how debilitating fear can become. While we appreciate fear, we cannot ever let it paralyze us. While we appreciate fear, we cannot ever let it debilitate us and we cannot ever let it drive us to doing the wrong thing. There's a Hindu parable that tells of a man entering a very dark room. It's a small room, and he's in there, and it's dark, but it's light enough so that he can see some things, and to his horror, he notices what looks like a snake coiled in the corner of the dark room. Fear abounds. Though full of terror at the prospect of a venomous snake with him in this dark room, and a snake apparently ready to strike, he fights the, flee to, the, fights the urge to flee. Instead, he moves toward the snake, examines it, and upon a closer look, he discovers it's not a snake at all. It's a coiled rope. The point of the parable, we disarm the, fil- the fear- fearsomeness We disarm the fearsomeness of the world by removing the threat of the unknown. This is the key. Knowledge of the truth about God, about our lives, about the world, knowledge of the truth renders the world less fearful and even more bearable. So while God sometimes uses fear to motivate people to keep us awake, to motivate us to live with kindness and love, to motivate us to be the kind of people God calls us to be, God more often urges us to know the truth about God, about our lives, about the world. Know the truth, and when we know the truth, the world is less fearful. This brings us to our second lesson. It's from Isaiah 43, and I invite you to listen. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my sight and honored and I love you, I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for you. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What is going on? for the people of God during Isaiah's prophecy. What's going on? Well, God's people, who had been once established in the land, and God's people who were given a king of great prominence, and God's people who had built an elaborate and big temple in the center of everything, have, by the time of this prophecy, around 540 B.C., all been carried away to Babylon. They have been removed from the land that God had given to them, promised them, provided them. The king had been sacked. The temple had been destroyed. The people were no longer established in the land. They were exiled in Babylon. As Psalm 137 depicts it, they sat by the rivers of Babylon and they wept. But there is more than the devastation. There's always more. There is more truth than the losing of the king and the temple. There is more truth than the tears that come along the rivers in Babylon. There are, there's more truth that comes from the tears of the circumstances of our lives. And when we know the truth, the world is less fearful. So in Isaiah 43, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. The ground of the imperative not to fear is that God is God. And that never changes. The reason to move from fear to faith is that God has redeemed Israel. And the word redeemed here really refers to a family intervention where the weaker member of the family is in trouble and the stronger member of the family comes in and makes it right. That's what's happened. God has done something. God is refusing to allow exile 
the desperate situation of crying on the back banks of the river in Babylon to be the final truth for God's people. God rescues them. God makes a way when there is no way. God brings light to their darkness. I have called you by name. You are mine. Belonging to God is a truth that allows us to live and not fear no matter what happens in life. And then this message, as if we just missed it, gets reiterated again in this same passage. As if we didn't hear it the first time, because you are precious in my sight, because you are honored, and because I love you, do not fear, I am with you. And then there are those poetic images, the threat of floods, the threat of fires, the realities that jeopardize all of us, these images that symbolize anything tragic and traumatic that can happen to us, bring terror and fear to our hearts and our lives. All that, even the worst that we can imagine. And God says, do not fear. I am with you. When we know the truth, the world is less fearful. There's no circumstance, there's no situation greater than God, God's presence and God's promises. That's the truth. The truth is, we belong to God. We are loved, we are precious. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, says the Lord. Friends, there remain many things to be fearful about. I know many of you are dealing with legitimate and fearful issues in your lives. Can I get through another day with the way things are? Can I stand another round of treatment or go again to that doctor who's going to say surgery again? Can I ever sleep well through another night? The shadows and the darkness can be overwhelming. The concern for so many things that seem so important, like inclusion, care for the needy, improve race relations, welcome of the stranger, extending compassion, doing justice, living with kindness. All these things seem to be in jeopardy in our culture, in our city, in our nation, in our world. There remain many things to be fearful about. But whenever fear seems so prevalent, this is what we also know. God is also always present and at work. God saved the people when their fears were overwhelming them as slaves under Pharaoh in Egypt. God told Joshua, who was leading the people into the promised land, I'll be with you every step of the way. Do not fear. God says over and over again in the scriptures, fear not, I'm your God, you're my people. 
And as we think about these coming days into Advent and the stories that are awaiting us in this season, the angel Gabriel tells Mary at the Annunciation, do not be afraid, Mary. And the angel appears to Joseph in a dream in Matthew 1 and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. He's talking about Mary's pregnancy. And the angels tell the terrified shepherds in the fields, frightened and startled and not sure what to do, do not fear. And when Jesus appears in, on the sea and the disciples are frightened, he says, it's me, don't be afraid. And then at the resurrection, the risen Christ says to the disciples, don't be afraid, go and tell my brothers, that I'm going into Galilee because there you'll see me over and over again. There's this promise, there's this calling. When we know the truth, the world is less fearful. When we know the truth, the world is less fearful. So what fear is eating away at your heart today? What fear is gnawing at your soul today. We all have them. We also have an awesome God whose word was echoed by Allie at the wreath this morning. Do not be afraid. I'm in your midst. Do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. Do not be afraid. I've called you by name and you are mine and no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I'm, I'm with you. On this table, we have another reminder. Jesus says, do this to remember me. Today we remember all those promises, be not afraid. Today we remember what God says, I have come to redeem you. Today we remember that God's love covers our fears and sustains us. Today, we remember, too, that in light of all of those wonderful promises and presence and words of not fear, God calls us to be the loving, faithful, kind, justice-seeking, peace-keeping people we can be, promoting, working for the reign of God. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O oh God, we do. Help our unbelief. And by your Spirit, move us, move us, move us from fear to faith and strengthen us as disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.